Hey everyone, this is Alan Schimmel and you're listening to another DevOps Chat. Today's DevOps Chat features Elad Koren, who is VP of Product at Perimeter X, Perimeter X, and uh, Elad, welcome to DevOps Chat. Thanks, Alan. It's, uh, it's an honor being here. Uh, happy hey. to uh, join so, you. I, I appreciate you being here and it's our honor to have you. So Elad, we, we've never... Uh, I don't believe so. We've never interviewed or covered Perimeter X before on Security Boulevard or DevOps. And uh, why don't we start with, why don't you give our audience a little background? What's Perimeter X about? Cool. Uh, I I believe you're right. Uh, Perimeter X has been around for uh, a bit more than five years. And uh, um, its uh, main goal is to secure businesses, digital businesses across the web. Uh, it can be uh, e-commerce, SaaS, um, uh, and the other uh, online businesses, uh, essentially providing solutions to the online digital uh, challenges they have. Uh, we started with uh, our Bot Defender solution about four years ago, uh, and this uh, targets the uh, bot problem uh, around the web. I'm sure you're well aware of it, being the security professional you are. Um, about a year ago, we've also uh, uh, launched our Code Defender product, which looks at the client-side code and, and uh, um, highlights vulnerabilities and, and issues around that. Uh, and we will, of course, develop some more in the future as part of our, uh, our growth uh, uh, plans to continue and secure businesses, uh, digital businesses around the world. Excellent. So... We're going to dive into that in just a second, but a lot. I also always like to ask people about their own personal journey. How did you come to be a VP of Products at Perimeter X? Wow, <laughs> it was a it was a long journey. Uh, I, I'm actually been I've I've actually been in security for more than 15 years. Uh, started with the Israeli intelligence um, in the IDF, uh, then uh, moved to um, my own startup where I took all the uh, security and um, um, kind of compliance and, and, and fraud areas. Uh, from there, I've, uh, I moved on to RSA Security. So uh, you're probably familiar with RSA Security, now part of Dell. Uh, and, uh, and after uh, a short uh, um, period in Payoneer as their head of uh, compliance and, uh, and security, I found myself in Perimeter X leading the product group, uh, now uh, the VP of products, and very proud of what we do uh, with, uh, with uh, really um, you know, a sense of uh, um, accomplishment with, uh, with what we've been doing so far. Excellent. Well, RSA Security was spun out of Dell now, right? Didn't they do a PE deal a couple months ago, I thought? Yeah, yeah, they, 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 had, a, they had a discussion around that. Uh, it was actually interesting because RSA was one of the uh, um, biggest assets EMC had before Dell acquired them. And once Dell stepped in, I think RSA wasn't that interesting for them. So it was only a matter of time. Yeah, no, Dell seems to have a love-hate relationship with the security companies they acquire. But that's yeah. for another podcast. Let, let's stick to Perimeter X. Um, so you do client-side uh, code inspections and, and, and security. Um, talk to us a little bit about what you're doing there. And, and then I, I want to jump into this concept of shadow code that, that we spoke about off mic. 
Yeah, so, so first of all, very important to understand, you know, the first question that comes to mind is why are we talking about it in DevOps.com? Um, so, so one of Perimeter X's uh, top targets is to assist DevOps teams to do their job better. Uh, and the fact of the matter is that after we've had our bot mitigation solution for quite a while and, and DevOps was one of our personas, uh, we went out and asked our, our customers, what's their next major problem? And one of the things that came up from many, many customers is the fact that they have a challenge around their client side. Okay, Developers are um, adding libraries. Well, you know, it's a common practice. Uh, however, some of these libraries, JavaScript or, or others, um, they, they're not that secure and they're not that trustworthy. Um, what we did at that point is kind of think of that problem and what it reminded of. Uh, and it kind of reminded, of, uh, reminded us of the, the problem of the shadow IT that we've seen uh, about 10 years ago or, or, or so, uh, where employees would just come with their devices or do whatever they want with, uh, uh, with their uh, uh, bring your own device kind of concept. Uh, and companies started fighting that. But at the end of the day, they understood that they have no way. It's kind of similar with code. Um, developers will find the best way to add code, even if it's a library that they can just take and, and adjust slightly. Uh, and even if it's a GitHub repository that no one maintains. Uh, and these introduce significant risk. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, it's interesting. I think no one in DevOps questions anymore uh, when we talk about adding security to the mix. I, I, I mean, thank God, you know, I would a little bit of my own personal journey, right? I, the, other, the reason I got into DevOps is because I thought it was the greatest thing for security. I thought this is the way it came down that, you know, this whole DevSecOps movement and shifting left and making mm -hmm. security developers more aware of security. I, I, I envisioned that when I first, you know, was found out about DevOps and I, I was hoping it would give us another, another chance to do it right, to correct some of the mistakes that were kind of inherent in our whole model. And, and I'm not saying it's a panacea or it's perfect now, but certainly we, we can acknowledge that developers do care about, no one wants to develop insecure or crappy code. People have pride in what they code they develop. Now, when they didn't know, the more they know about security and the more tools we can give them that allow them to kind of do better, develop more secure code, the, the better off we are, I think. But this issue of, as you're calling it, shadow code, right? Kind of growing and so with shadow IT when the cloud first came. Yeah. It's a problem. And, and, and the thing about it is, again, developers don't raise their hand and say, I want to sneak around. I, I want to sneak a little code in the back door. Exactly. They, right? They do it because they have time constraints. They want to get it done. They want it to work faster, right? The, exactly the reasons that we've understood uh, yeah. when, we, when we looked into it. And, and it makes sense. If you think about it, developers should be able to add whatever it is they, they think can help them develop faster. I mean, it's the business goal. Mm -hmm. the, I, the question I, is, 
the main question that we asked is, well, how can you make it more streamlined? Okay. How can you, and, and now going one step backwards or, or, or sideways, there's a disconnect. Okay. The, the developers, they, as you said, they want to make it a secure code, but the business owner or the, uh, the person who manages the security posture of the application doesn't necessarily know that somebody introduced new vulnerability because the developer thinks that this repository is safe. I mean, it should be. It's in GitHub. <laughs> no, no. Uh, so, 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 so the thing is, and this is where we, we asked around our, our customers, what are they doing to mitigate this type of risk? And, and what are they finding out? And what we, what we found out is, interestingly enough, you have a lot of performance monitoring tools, but you have zero um, security monitoring tools on client side in real time. You have static code analysis, you have uh, a lot of other solutions trying to find the vulnerability before it goes out to production. But once it's out there, nobody monitors. And you have to keep in mind, I, I know you, you are keeping in mind, but our, our listeners, um, the fact that, well, when in runtime, you can inject dynamic code that changes. And if somebody else gets control over it, this is a problem. Yeah. yeah. Well, and, and there's a couple, I think, other complicating factors, a lot that I'd, I'd like you to address. And that is, you know, today, where does that client-side code live? Is it in, is it in the container somewhere? Is, you know, is with a Kubernetes microservices mesh thing going on? Mm-hmm. Is it, is it in the traditional hypervisor kind of environment or maybe, you know, something like that? Or is it on bare metal and serverless or, you know, it's a great time to be a developer, but it's a very hard time to be a security person who's trying to keep guardrails there for these people to, 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 you know, do it as safely as possible, as securely as possible. How do you do that? This is, this is, this is correct. You're spot on. Um, you'd expect that when a new code is introduced, the company or the, the developers would adopt it and you know, manage it or maintain on their servers or on their um, microservers or their mesh. However, because they want to keep it updated, because they want to keep it um, uh, as, as, as capable as possible, they sometimes take the dynamic library from their repository and whenever there's a CI/CD process going on, it pulls the library from there, and that is where your um, uh, uh, the shadow code becomes a problem. Because unless you have the right processes around how to make sure that this library is safe, how to make sure that this is uh, you're not introducing anything malicious, and we have seen it happening in the past, uh, this is where you have to address the problem. Um, and you know, I can share some of the things that we've seen when we had the validation of the product before we launched it, we, uh, we had a design partner and they asked for something like this because their developers asked for, uh, uh, for, for the security team to allow them visibility into what's happening on the client side. And we actually, <laughs> and it's a big, big customer. Um, I, I don't want to name names naturally here, uh, but, and, and, and you'll share my surprise when we found out when we run on their client side that a very, very big vendor of theirs is using a jQuery from a non-trustworthy 
uh, source. Now, you'd expect something like this would never happen for a well-established company, but it does. And it's surprising, but it does. Um, and they weren't the only ones. Hmm. Interesting. So, so let, let's now talk. So I think we've defined the issue and the problem, right? And, and how, how is Perimeter X helping this? So uh, our approach when, when, when looking at this issue or this problem, naturally we are uh, um, a dev first company. So we came and asked the developers that we're working with, the DevOps, DevSecOps, uh, and, and some of the risk analysts, some of the personas, um, what would be most beneficial? And what they said, and, and this, is, this is how, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm the VP of products. I'm a product manager at heart. Uh, and, and customer input is the number one um, um, thing that I'm looking into when I'm building the products. They said very clearly, if they can see before moving from staging to, uh, uh, to dev to prod, uh, what the code itself, when, it pull, when it's pulled dynamically, is doing and have the visibility of what's happening there in real time on users, this is something that they don't have today because that will introduce that level of visibility whenever something bad happens. Um, I don't know if you've seen some of the uh, uh, mage cart attacks that have happened from third party uh, libraries. Um, again, don't wanna name names, but if somebody looks online, they can find out. Um, when we come in and we analyze in real time on the client side, on every user going into the website, what the scripts are doing there, whether they send information to a, a, a bad domain, whether they uh, try to take the information and store it in a cookie and then uh, use it later on, we can quickly highlight the main risks and main problems and vulnerabilities, uh, like I mentioned earlier with jQuery, so that the DevOps or DevSecOps can quickly raise a flag and say to the developer, listen, this script you've added introduces new uh, vulnerability. You can see that in the uh, static code analysis, but you will see that on runtime on the client side. Um, and that is, that is something revolutionary. Uh, we don't have that today uh, in anyone else's uh, solution out there. Hmm. Interesting. Um what would so I, I always ask and, and you're the perfect person VP of product. Now you got a conundrum. You've got a really great security product here that's going to help developers with secure code. How do you how do you how do you sell it? How do you bring it into the organization? Do you talk to the security guy and say, hey, go talk to your developer team and tell them to use this? Do you talk to your developers? and say, tell your security team you want to do this. You got to talk to the security team and the developer team. Whose budget does this come out of? Who ultimately is responsible for setting the, the policies and, 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 and processes? This is a solution hard to sell maybe though. Yeah, you're, you're correct. So theoretically it's hard to sell. However, the main, the main key here or the, the key differentiator is the fact that uh, when we went in to look how we want to sell the solution before we even built it, we established the fact that it should fit into their processes. Um, 
if it's not fitting into their processes, if they have to start defining things like content security policy, if they have to start maintaining this on a day-to-day basis, it's not going to work. Um, Solutions for DevOps or DevSecOps today are one, two, three. You have to have it in and you have to uh, do it quickly and you have to have minimum manual effort unless you definitely prove why it's needed. Um, And so... This is why we've added the fact that nobody needs to do the baselining on their own. We are doing that uh, automatically with uh, machine learning uh, capabilities, what every script does, whether it's a uh, uh, follow or not. Um, and the fact that they can just have a small snippet on their client side and we'll analyze whatever and flag in our portal or alerting system that they have, it actually fits into their CICD process. It fits into their day-to-day process. It, they can even have it as part of their uh, regular security processes um, and, and have it fit into their SIM. Uh, and this is where uh, it, it really makes the difference because you don't have to do anything manually and you solve a problem and you fit into their processes um, and security people are very happy about it. I can tell you that one of the customers that actually already bought this product was very happy with the fact that they have visibility to this area and they don't have to maintain it on their own because we are doing that. The product does that uh, out of the box. So this was a key component in our product. Excellent. 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 Um, So I I told you the time goes very fast. (laughs) Coming up on time here. For people who are interested, let, let's let's use our time wisely. How can they find out more information? What what what's, what path do you suggest for them? So first of all, they can go uh, go out to our uh, website uh, and check out our uh, our solutions, both for bot mitigation and as well as the code defender and uh, other solutions that we have. Um, I think um, reaching out to our team. Uh, If you have any questions, if you have uh, any concerns around the client side, I can tell you that even uh, companies that thought everything is fine uh, were completely oblivious to uh, threats and concerns around the client side that that are out there um, and uh, and, and many people are not aware of. Um, You can also reach out to me uh, directly via LinkedIn or, or what have you. Uh, and uh, and we can uh, we can discuss. I think in general, for DevOps and DevSecOps to be more aware of the dynamic nature of the code that is added to the uh, client side uh, and what to do. We actually have a blog post listing the things that uh, are best to do if you want to make sure that it's secure and uh, and you're on top of things. Uh, so uh, it's a good read as well. Um, and that, that's about it. So we are here. We're uh, ready to help. Cool. Last question, just because you have to ask it whether it's out there. With all everything going on in the world with the COVID and everything else, how's it affecting, how's it affecting you guys and, and what are you seeing? All right, so it's actually amazing. Um, uh, we've seen some trends around the e-commerce landscape <clears throat> that we've actually had some, some blog posts on uh, and I think you know one of the things that kind of symbolizes these times 
a few of the e-commerce sites that we are working with said that the traffic they experienced uh, out uh, out uh, outgrows the uh, um, Black Friday Cyber Monday level mm-hmm. of traffic. And I think I think it symbolizes our um, the kind of the uh, um, boom of online life that we have. I'm sure you're experiencing it as well. Um, and I think the shift there is not going to uh, um, go back to the uh, previous levels, uh, definitely going to go down, but we are seeing so many trends, very interesting trends, and we are naturally adjusting uh, what we're doing, but luckily and happily, um, uh, we're doing great. Uh, these times and 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 it's it's very happy uh with what we have now well, you know, I, i i will tell you for whatever reason you know and it may not all be good because there is this whole with the virus pandemic there's a cyber pandemic of people trying to exploit i mean, I mean so for instance even here at media ops where devops and security boulevard our security site used to be pretty even in terms of how many visitors they both get 350 to 400,000 visitors unique visitors a uh, mm-hmm. um, all of a sudden you know security boulevard now this month is going to be at 600,000 wow last month was 530,000 so in the last two months since this uh, covid thing you You know we've seen traffic on on the boulevard site devops has stayed relatively steady hasn't gone up necessarily hasn't gone down the, thing, you know one thing we've noticed and i think it can also explain i think it's it's uh wider than that attacks and in general fraud and 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 security challenges became much more complicated because the adversaries are out there and they are targeting a whole lot of uh, uh, other new sites that previously didn't experience. We are seeing much higher levels of, of, of complexity in the attacks that we've previously seen on giants, now on even medium, small, small medium-sized sites. Agreed. It, crazy. Just crazy, right? Yeah, And, indeed. Um, You know, because that's what you need when you have a, a virus pandemic. We, we need to have more cybercrime and, and not stuff to worry about. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Elad, I want to thank you for joining us today on DevOps Chat. It's been a pleasure. Thanks, Elad. Uh, we'll see you back on soon. Elad Koren from per, uh, Perimeter X here on DevOps Chat. This is Alan Schimmel, and you just listened to another DevOps Chat.